Morning to everyone. It's great to be able to look out over the audience today and see this good crowd. It's really exciting to see the crowd we have here today. And I thoroughly enjoy walking in of a morning and meeting the people and hearing all of y'all visit and talk with each other. It's great to have a congregation that does that. Thank you very much. We appreciate you being here today. I know we've got visitors with us today, and we deeply appreciate you coming and be with us today. And make sure you give us enough time after we're dismissed to give our people a chance to talk to you. So it's great that we have opportunity to come and to worship this morning together. And as we start, one more thing, please. Look for your attendance register if you're only in the pew make sure you pass that down and give everybody's name on it we're doing the best we can do to get everybody that we can keep up with okay we need to know how how, how people are doing write any notes on there you'd like to send to the elders okay let's pray please <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the beautiful morning you blessed us with. We thank you for the opportunity to assemble together this morning to worship you. We thank you, Father, that we can live in a country that we have the freedom to worship as we please. We pray that our leaders will always make sure that that's what America remains. And Father, we just thank you so much for each person's here today. We're, we're so glad to see people that's getting well, that's been sick, and be back with us. And, and Father, we pray for those that are still not able to be back, those many that are sick and suffering in different ways. We pray for the uh, recovery for them. You bless the family. Now, Father, let us prepare our minds as we uh, enter our worship service. 
that we can participate and be part of this service this morning. And we thank you for the many blessings for this congregation. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Substance of uh, what am I thinking? hope, expectation of things based on evidence. Let's sing this first song as a medley, and then uh, let's, let's all sing.
Bow with me, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for an opportunity we have to come and to worship you in song and praise. Father, we ask you to continue to be with us as we live our daily lives, that we may do that in a manner that is pleasing unto thee. Father, we have many of our number who are sick or have lost loved ones, especially the Allen family. Father, we ask that you comfort them as only you can. Heavenly Father, we ask you to be with Brother Ken this morning as the lesson he's prepared for us. Father, it's our prayer that it will prick our hearts and inspire us to live our lives better on a daily basis for thee. Father, we thank you for the elders of our church and, and, and the decision and the roles that they make. We ask you to continue to lead and guide them. But most of all, Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross, that we might have forgiveness of our sins and an opportunity of home in heaven with thee. It's through his precious name I pray. Amen. Those using books and those at home, if you would march your, mark your song books, number 596, we'll use that as our song of invitation.
I'll be reading from Romans 5th chapter, verses 1 through 5. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have we also have access by faith and through the grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the gospel, the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Sorry that we missed Wednesday evening, but boy, the storms were terrible, and we're thankful, though, that so far as I know, there weren't any injuries, at least in our area, although there was some damage in some counties around us, but God's good, isn't he? And I'm very thankful that we're able to be back today, and looks like a, a beautiful day ahead of us. On Friday evening, a bus of us went over to Haleyville, Alabama for a singing. And it was good singing and all of that, but I want to share something with you that just really impressed me. Now, I have literally been to hundreds of singings. And in almost all of those singings, I would say that I'm about the youngest person there. That is no slight. It's just that it seems like usually those singings are attended by mature Christians. But on Friday night, we went to one of those singings where it was mostly mature Christians. However, the busload that we took, over half of the people, about 13 of us, were either high school age or college age. That just, that absolutely blew me away. Parents, you're doing such a good job. You're instilling in our young people a love for God and the things of God. Now, if you didn't go to the singing, I'm not saying you didn't love God or it, please. However, I'm just saying that it's just an observation. When we do things, it's not just one group of us that's involved. It just seems like there's, there's always a great representation of this congregation that goes and does everything. So thank you, parents, for building up that particular generation, and, and thanks for everybody and the way you participate in the good things that we try to promote. You see it all the time up there on the screen, a reminder of our theme for the year, the power of one. And I suppose if, if you were to look at that casually, you would think that the idea is, well, I am powerful as one. And, and I'm pretty sure that the end result is true. 
that you are powerful. However, what we are recognizing is that the power that we have as one is dependent on the power that we gain from the one. That would be Jesus. In fact, that's reflected in our text, right? Philippians 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And part of what we're trying to develop here through the year is exactly what is it that Christ enables in me or activates in me or puts in me that makes it possible for me to be powerful as one, directed by Jesus, the one. Today, we're going to see another one of those components, one of those things that makes it possible to understand the power of one hope. Before we start that, let's pray that God will bless us in our endeavor today. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege to assemble here today. Thank you for those of us who have gathered, who are a regular part of this body. And thank you, Father, for those who might be visiting today. I pray that all of us together as one will be able to glorify and honor you to the fullest. We've already had occasion to do that through certain mechanisms of our worship. But now, Father, we're praying that you'll bless us as we're studying from your word. And especially, Lord, we pray that this text here from Romans 5 will become enlivened in us and that we'll understand the import of it and be encouraged by it. Help us, Father, all of us, every single one, to lay hold of that one hope that is made possible through our Lord Jesus Christ. Help me to communicate it in as simple a way as I can. And I pray that those who hear these words can take something from it that will fortify their faith and help them to take advantage of this one hope that we will talk about today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Abraham exhibits this. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 and following By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would inherit as a country. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Now, in that case, Abraham, he was looking for something, but, you know, he hadn't physically, actually, literally seen it. He just placed his hope in the word that God had given him. And not only did he have that hope, but that hope was so strong in him that that then translated to his son Isaac and his son Jacob and really on and on you go. One hope. That same idea is expressed in a development that takes place in the book of Acts, chapter 16. 
Specifically, the story is verses 25 to 34, but we're just going to look at two verses, verse 27 and verse 34. In verse 27, we have a Philippian jailer who is so distraught over the circumstances that he's in at present, where prisoners have been released, no fault of his own, but he knows that he is going to be held responsible for this breach And he takes out his sword, and he is going to end his own life. But by the time we get to verse 34, he has gathered with his family for a feast to rejoice in their salvation. Here again, a hopeless situation no sight with regard to the situation, and yet hope intervenes. And when hope intervenes, it gives sight to that which is unseen. In this case, going from despair to rejoicing. So what is it? What is it that causes us to be able to see what is unseen, to make what is not currently a reality a reality in our hearts so that we believe it and we act? What is it that would cause us to go from a moment of despair even to the point where we think we are about to die or are willing even to go so far as to take our own life and then to be transformed into a moment of such rejoicing that we wouldn't imagine our life ending in that state? It is absolutely this. That one hope that we have through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, our text is beautiful. We're going to begin by thinking of one of the two things that I'm going to stress related to our one hope today. What it is that empowers it. The first of those things revealed in our text today is... Well, it's justification. Justification is something that empowers our one hope. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I think it would do us well just to, just to think for a moment about actually what justification is. And in the simplest of terms, I'm going to tell us that it is a, it is a process by which, in this case, God makes a proclamation. It isn't because we have created a debt that God has to pay We can never indebt God this way. But God has chosen through the mechanism of our faith in Jesus Christ, our acting on that faith, He is choosing to make us, to proclaim that we are just or right in His sight. Very closely akin to another big word that we sometimes use, righteousness. Being in the state of a right condition 
or a just condition before God. I'm a sinner. But God is declaring on the basis of the actions that I've taken relative to my faith to declare that I am right with him. Another way to describe it, I guess, would be to say that we're going from a state of sin to a state of righteousness. Now, that's described in Romans chapter 8, verses 17 and 18. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered, and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. So you go from that sin condition to a righteous, justified condition on the basis of your obedience to that doctrine that was, he says, was delivered, the gospel. Now, justification has its own results in our lives. For instance, if if I'm justified or I'm made right in the sight of God, then I would say without a doubt, just as was the case with that Philippian jailer, that there there is reason to rejoice when we have been made right in the sight of God. Absolutely. I, I think about that sense of rejoicing, and I know that in recognition of having my sin washed away, that I can move into a different phase of my life, right? Now, now instead of constantly looking backward or feeling the baggage of my sin, I'm able to move forward in a relationship, a recognized relationship with God. In fact, I I rejoice in the notion of what is our theme text, right? Now I know that in this relationship with the Lord, I can absolutely do all things through Christ who is now strengthening me. I can have a true joy and celebration in my relationship with the Lord. In Romans chapter 6, Verses 1 and following. What shall we say then? Shall, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Well, certainly not. For how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Okay, so part of the reason that I'm able to rejoice in this renewing of myself, the the ejection of sin, the the righteousness in the sight of God, is that now I'm truly living. I'm not dead in sin anymore. I'm actually attributed, I'm attributed life. I've come up in a resurrection, having had my sins washed away in baptism, having died with Jesus. That living is not just the physical aspect. It isn't just that, okay, so I kind of got my life right. My life's going to be better. I'm going to be able to deal with people better. I'm just going to have a better life. Jesus hinted to the extension of it in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4 in the midst of his own trial. Jesus said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. It's, you know, it's recognized that to live physically, I must nourish the physical body. But he says, 
That is the epitome of a well-lived life. Everybody can live from the sense of physical nourishment. But true living is going to be filling ourselves spiritually with, with the Word of God. Of course that would be true. In fact, that's at the heart of what he expressed in John 10, verse 10, right? The thief doesn't come except to steal to kill and to destroy. I've come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. That, that abundant life, not, not just in this life here, being injected or infused with the things of God, but thinking about that other life, that eternal life, which according to Titus chapter 1 and verse 2, is a life that God promised before time began. Does that maybe give us a a picture of the scope of what God is trying to accomplish as He justifies us and gives us a hope beyond the expression of this life itself? Now, he says an interesting little thing here in our text that, that I want us to dwell on for a moment, and that is kind of the extension of that. Now, I'm going to rejoice in this life that I have He says that we rejoice in hope, rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now, hope biblically is more than just, I wish that this will be. You know, sometimes we say, I hope such and such, but in a very, I don't know, unspecific type of language, sometimes we use hope in a flippant sort of way. Biblically, hope is not just wishing that something will happen. Hope is literally a desirous expectation. Yeah, I desire for it to be, but because it's based, my hope is based on the promises of God. It isn't that I'm just wishing that this will be the case. I know it's going to be the case. Desirous expectation. Not only do I want it, I expect it to come to pass. In fact, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 24, he says that hope that is seen is not hope. In other words, what I am hanging on to is something that is purely on the basis of the promises of God. It isn't like he says, okay, Ken, look here, I'll show it to you, And then I'm going to set it on the shelf and you just kind of make your way toward it. It, It's not that. God's promised it. And so on the basis of my faith in Jesus, the the, the evidence that I've seen in Jesus, I'm going to trust God for the fulfillment of what He promised me. And I believe it. I believe it so strongly that not only do I desire it and talk about it as though I want it so badly, but I am expecting it because God's promises make it real. That's what Abraham was acting on, right? He hadn't seen that land. He only knew about the promise that was making about a country. And so on the basis of those promises, Abraham left Ur of Chaldees. And his generations after him sojourned in lands that had not been yet given to them. Even as captives in a foreign land like Egypt, such that God through his his walk through time could fulfill the promises that he had originally made. And did he ever, in a most amazing and profound sort of way. And just as God has done, 
So our hope is vested not by what we see, but by what we have been promised by the mouth of God himself. It's kind of like the sense of, and, and you've experienced this, like delayed reward. You know what I mean when I say delayed reward? Uh, probably if you're in the, the working world right now, you know it this way. You know, your, your employer is maybe taking out money or maybe you're setting aside money for your retirement. Oh, you could spend that whole check, right? Boy, sometimes we just think, man, if I didn't have to, that's set aside. I could just spend all that money. No, we're going we're gonna to think about the future. We're going to delay our reward. We, we want to we have a nest egg, so to speak, in our latter years so that when we retire, we'll be able to pro- provide for ourselves. That's the idea of a delayed reward. I'm going to suffer a little bit by laying aside some money so that someday I'll have the reward of that. That takes, that takes some discipline on our part. Or maybe, maybe you've seen it this way. This used to happen when I was growing up. In fact, it has resulted in the way I eat today. I believe, and no matter what happens, I, I just, I'll, I'll hurt myself trying to live up to the standard that my mother made in me. She always taught us to clean our plate. Anybody else have that experience? But see, here's how my mother did it. My mother said, clean your plate and you can have dessert. Okay? Well, the thing about my mother is, we always had two desserts. Every meal, there were two desserts available. So I'm going to do whatever it takes to eat everything that's on my plate, vegetables and all, in order that I can, as I'm suffering through that, to be able to partake of the reward that's at the end. Or maybe this way. You have a chore to do. But you are being enticed with the prospect that if you will finish this chore... If you'll hang in there until the very end and get this whole thing wrapped up, you can have one of those cookies in the cookie jar. You know, it's just just the idea of a reward at the end. If you'll hang in, you will receive. That's, That's kind of the picture of hope that is presented to us. You you hang in there, and then you will receive the reward that is promised you in the end. I desire it and I expect it, and it carries me through the most difficult of times. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I thought that was an interesting phrase. And then I realized that all this is really based on our relationship with the Lord. That was certainly true in terms of our being justified and having our sins washed away. Remember being made right or being made just in His sight through our obedience. And so, thinking about the glory that's in Jesus, John 1 verse 14 said that, you know, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory. The glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
John, along with the other apostles, said, look, it wasn't that he, he lived with us. It, it was so apparent just by our experience with him. We just, we just could look at him. We could just experience his life and enjoy the glory that just oozed out of him. And it's that same glory that Jesus is the brightness of following after God. He's the brightness of God's glory, Hebrews 1 verse 3. And then you and I, we also aspire in a, in a sense to that glory. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. We are being transformed into that glory or that image of His glory. We are being... We are being transformed or conformed, as he would say in Hebrews 8, 29 and 30, to the image of Christ. That glory that Jesus exhibits, that is the thing that we are aspiring to. That, that is that hope that is vested just beyond. It is the reward. Well, it's the reward for enduring the second aspect of this text. He says, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, he says, hope. Okay, so here's kind of how I might have my mind set up right now. I might have my mind set up to think, well, hope is just like this vehicle by which I just temporarily transport my mind to the end and I just kind of bait myself to live for Jesus and to do right or to live a just life before Him so that I can get that reward. Isn't that what you said, Ken? Well, that's a little simplistic. It's not exactly like that because, yeah, I am hoping for that which is not seen, else it wouldn't be hope, right? That's what he said in Romans 8, 24. But right now, I'm here. Right now, I am living. And so really the sense is what I'm hoping for or what reward it is I'm striving for is being upheld in me in this moment as a result of the hope that I have. Through Jesus Christ. That, all that rejoicing and so forth, that is my response to it. If I'm living in this hope, then it's going to be able to carry me through well, some pretty serious matters. And he lists several of them there as though it is a progression to go from tribulation to hope. Well, let's think about tribulation as it empowers our one hope. Tribulation, he says, produces perseverance. Okay, so tribulation, like John 16, verse 33. Jesus says that in the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I, I have overcome the world. Well, great, right? Yay! I, I overcome! I, I'm going to... Wait a minute. <laughs> okay, that sounds... A little fishy again. Sounds like there is an expectation of something to come as a result of what I'm going to deal with now. And yes. Yeah, he says there is going to be tribulation. Okay? Peace. That's how it is. 
You are going to deal with that. But, but have a joy about it. Because I have overcome the world. I, I, am, the, I am the victory in this. Okay, alright, great. Or uh, Acts chapter 14 and verse 22, kind of the same idea that through much tribulation we shall enter the kingdom of God. S- same idea, right? Yeah, I want to be in the kingdom of God, but before I get there, as I'm, as I'm trying to live this just, this upright life, I, I'm going to be dealing with some tribulation. But what he tells us is that tribulation is also going to be the mechanism by which we produce some perseverance. Now, part of that tribulation we experience with Jesus, right? Jesus suffered. And so I look back at the example of Jesus, and then I'm inspired as he lived, so I'm also going to live. In Romans 8, verses 17 and 18, he says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You remember that Jesus kept his eye on on the prize? Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, seeing we also are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus endured what He endured because He did what He is trying to inspire us to do. To live through it. uh, To keep your eyes set on the goal. Don't be set back by the tribulation or the distress, but persevere all the way through it. Keep going through it. All the way, all the way to heaven. You know, we're going to heaven, we say, but... There's going to be be some difficulties as we're approaching heaven, for sure. And it is heaven that we're longing for. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was talking about all these different scenarios of life as a disciple, as as a citizen in the kingdom of heaven. And he said in Matthew 5, verses 11 and 12, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you. And say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecute the prophets who are before you. Just go back to that again. Great is your reward in heaven. My great reward, what was that dependent on, Lord? Well, they're going to revile and persecute you. Say all kinds of evil things against you falsely. But it's going to be for my sake. 1 Peter 4, verse 16. If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Who is it I'm living for? Yeah, I'm thinking about the power of one for sure, but the power that I'm having as one is dependent on the power of the one who has enabled me. And that's Jesus. We're we're in this together. And so... As we're having successes and we're persevering, so too is God glorified in that. And as regards perseverance, I know we have some athletes in here. 
And you can ask any one of our stellar athletes what it takes to endure. And I'm pretty sure they'll agree with me this way. Your endurance and the development and increasing of your endurance is not dependent on you buying one of those protein drinks that says it will develop the endurance in you. It's not that simple. Or it's not going to be that packet of vitamins that is advertised as going to put all that energy and exertion in you. Now look, those kinds of things can fuel the potential for your endurance, but here's the dirty little secret about endurance. If you only push yourself to the point that you stop when your body says stop, you will never increase your endurance. The only way to increase endurance is to go to the place where the body says stop and you say no. We are not stopping yet. And every time you get to that edge, you push a little farther the next time, a little farther the next time. Sure, if you're fueled by that special drink or that packet of vitamins, they may give you the energy to push through. But I'm telling you, you can drink it and eat it all you want. But if you're not willing to have just a little bit of pain in that exertion, then you are never, ever going to increase your endurance. So many Christians want to avoid the fight, avoid the pain of being a Christian, of hide that little light that ought to be shining for all to see, simply because I just don't want the pain. But it's through the pain, it's through the tribulation, it's the perseverance of going through it that we actually become stronger in the long run, better equipped. Oh, that is a part of our hope. So tribulation is going to produce the perseverance. But he says the perseverance then is also going to produce character. Now character is an interesting study because it talks about the idea of being approved. And we all want to be approved. Or being successful after the test. Now, a lot of times, again, we just think about reward. If I pass the test, I'll be approved. Therefore, I'll be good. But, but that's not really the idea here. The idea is in approval or testing that everything that was an affront about me has been removed, and now you see what I really am. That's my character. Or, put another way, if you are the performer in this life, and you are to one degree or another, to somebody you're the performer, it's in that day when the spotlight finally is turned off of you, and the audience that you have no longer claps or gives approval. And it's in that moment where there is no one to egg you on and to stroke your ego where you're laid bare, and whatever is left, that's who you are. Well, let's just ask ourselves in this moment right here. Who are we? Who am I when all the stuff that I want people to see is gone? And I'm just laid bare right there. Who am I? 
That perseverance, that going beyond, that pushing through is what's going to reveal your character. And when that is revealed, then we really, we really have hope. In 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I want to stress that idea of a living hope. Hope isn't what is going. Hope is what is in the here and now. It's what I don't see. But I'm desirous and I'm expecting. He says that is a living hope. It's in the here and now. It's real right now. And what it does is it brings to me such joy. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. Rejoicing in hope. I'm happy for it. Keep that joy going. Patient in tribulation. We've seen all that already. I'm going to push through. And I'm going to have joy even when others might be filled with sorrow because my joy isn't in this moment. My joy is in what what is coming. And and then there's the comfort of it. You know, the comforting statement that that Paul was making to the Thessalonians begins with this idea of an abounding hope. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 But I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as those who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. We have something that not everybody else has. We have the belief that this life is not the end. That, that there is so much more, and that is made real for us. That The image in our hearts is made as real as can be in our belief and our recognition that Jesus Himself was raised from the dead. And just as much as He was, so we believe that God is going to make all things right in His return. That is the hope He was instilling in them. It's the same process to hope that you and I have. He says, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You know, to me, that, that is the thing. It's not like I am desperately even with my fingertips, trying to lay hold of hope or trying to hang on to it. He says that this hope is so important to God that we have it, that He has infused us with it by means of His Holy Spirit, whom He has given to us. God has done everything that He can in order to instill in us a hope for eternal life. Do you have that? If you don't have that, that signifies an amazing absence of something in your life today. You can contact it through obedience to the gospel, you know. If you've not obeyed the gospel, there is so much more than what this world is offering you right now. When you come to see who Jesus is, you will consider everything else as junk. So today, if you need to obey the gospel, why don't you lay hold of that one hope that all Christians have? 
believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, confessing that faith before this number, repenting of your sins, turning away from the world, putting your lot with Jesus, and being buried in water, have your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus. You'll come up into this new life. Maybe you're a child of God already, but I don't know how it happened so much as you were infused with it, but somehow or ever you've lost contact with hope. Let's reaffirm it today, okay? Confess whatever wrong is standing in the way. Let's repent of that, pray about it, let's hug you, (laughs) and let's get on the right track. Is anybody who needs to respond today for any reason? Now is your opportunity. Why don't you come if you need to while we stand together and sing. for the Lord's Supper, we'll sing number 164, Emmanuel.
As we begin to meditate upon the Lord's Supper, uh, if you do not have the emblems for the Lord's Supper, if you would please raise your hand and the ushers will be glad to assist you. And going over some of my notes, I came across uh, some thoughts from Brother Chad Ramsey. And it was why Christ came. And to paraphrase some of this, his thoughts are, It took the blood of a man, the perfect Lamb of God, to make the ultimate sacrifice. That, of course, is why a body was prepared for the Christ. According to Hebrews 2, verse 17, He had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Christ came to do the will of God. Since God is not willing that any should perish and that all should come to repentance. 2 Peter 3 verse 9. He devised a plan whereby that man might be saved. And because God is just, his plan had to include a payment for the sins that man committed. The Hebrew writer goes on to say, By the will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all, Hebrews 10.10. In other words, it was God's will prophesied through the ages that Jesus would die for man's sins. That is why Christ came. If you would please bow with me as we give thanks for the bread. Our most gracious and loving Father, we bow in remembrance of your Son, Lord Jesus, the author of hope. We pray, Father, that as we partake of this bread which symbolizes his body, that we would do so in a manner that's pleasing and acceptable to thee. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you'll bow for the cup, please. Father, in likewise manner, we once again approach thee, Father, in remembrance of your son. So thankful for his birth, for his life, his death, and resurrection. Father, we pray that as we partake of this cup, the fruit of the vine, that we will do so in a manner that's pleasing to thee. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. have many ways to give. As you know, there's uh, tables with boxes at the front of the auditorium and at the back that you can drop your contribution into. If you would, please bow with me as we give thanks for all that we have. Our loving Father, we once again are so thankful for all the many blessings of life, for all that you continue to do for us, Father. We just help you that we'll realize that all that we have is, comes from you. Father, we're so thankful for the giving of this church, Father, that through the benevolence program, through the missions program, through the scholarship program, and so many others, Father, we 
have means to spread the gospel. We just pray, Father, we'll always give you the honor and glory. We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Real quick before Brother Steve comes up here, um, I would like to meet with all the teens and their parents. Uh, if you want to bring the siblings too, that's fine. In the little chapel, I know everybody's got all these different meetings to go to, but this will take five minutes. And I mean, I mean five minutes when I say it. Um, we'll take five minutes in a little chapel. The bulk of the waiting time will be waiting on you to get there. So if you just if y'all just go back there, I want to meet with y'all. I have a couple things I want to talk with y'all about. Uh, teenagers and your parents, please, both of you. Thank you. I have three quick things, and I do mean quick. Um, number one, uh, all boys who are uh, registered to do speech this year at Last Leaders, uh, if you plan to, if you need to meet with me uh, regarding presentation, if please let me know that. But this after, this morning, just as soon as we're finished so that I can plan my afternoon. Number two, even though we've got last leaders going on, there's a couple of things uh, that we need to think about beyond that. Super Saturday Bible school that we, I got up here the very first Sunday in uh, um, January and said, okay, it's coming up June 11th. Please put that on your calendar. This is a reminder of that. Please make sure that June 11th is on your calendar. And when we come back from lads to leaders, Lord willing, we'll begin talking about that immediately. And then the third thing, as our new quarter comes up, uh, beginning starting the 1st of May, uh, we're always trying to make our Bible classes uh, a better and our program better. Um, I want you to pray about something. This especially is for uh, maybe a couple or uh, some of our uh, la- more mature ladies, and I say that with respect, uh, who would be willing, who are not teaching, but would be willing to be hall monitors. Uh, we have a lot of little ones in the up- upstairs that need to go to the bathroom, and sometimes the uh, trip from the class to the bathroom, there was a song in the 80s called The Long Way Home, and sometimes that's uh, what they do on the way back from the bathroom. So um, we need a couple of hall monitors uh, during our Sunday and Wednesday. So if you'll be praying about that and thinking about that, and uh, want to give me your name, I'll begin to put that together. So, um, yeah, there'll be four of us stand up here now. The, um, I'm here because of Lads to Leaders. One of the great blessings that the elders have granted me with is uh, being a deacon over Lads um, and, and the youth. And I, I think I just want to say this. I want to say two things. Look, I know you're tired. I know you're busy. I, I get it. This is probably one of the busiest times of the year that we, we put together with all the different activities that we ask you to, to be a part of. There are almost 60 young people who are doing something in regards to Lasso Leaders right now. There are more than 25 adults who are, who are organizing events and trying to help those 60-something young people hone their talents. There's almost 70 adults going to going to load up with those 60 kids and go to Little Rock, Arkansas in two weeks um, to, to help continue hone those talents for our young people. 
And quite frankly, my wife tells me about it all the time, how busy we are. I can't think of any other way I want to be busy than doing the Lord's work. And I'm here tonight to or this morning say two things. One, thank you so very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. To the young people, thank you for giving your time and trying to, to grow to serve the Lord better. To our adults, thank you so much for giving your time to help our young people carry on the work of the church. I, I can't be any more sincere than that, and I hope on behalf of the elders and everybody associated here, you understand how much we appreciate you. Next week, on Sunday night, we're going to give our young people a chance to hone those talents in a little deeper way, like we normally do the week before we go to lads. We, we, we let our young people, uh, we'll split up men and women, and we'll let our young people give their speeches and their Bible reading and their song leading. I hope you'll be here. Uh, but I have to plan for that. So I'll be in the foyer. If you are signed up for one of those, I'm going to put you down on the list to stand up here and make that happen next Sunday night unless you tell me otherwise, okay? And then for some of you who are signed up for multiple events, especially the men or the young men, I need you to tell me which one you want to do, okay? Because I can't, we don't have enough time for everybody to do everything they're signed up for. So, um, so anyways, I want to make that clear as well. Do have, and, and listen, the back of your bulletin both says, hey, do you want me to go over all these or are you going to do it? I get it. I get it. I tried to already say thank you. There's so much going on today. And uh, to add an announcement to, to the many that are on the back, and I think most of you already know what you need to do today, um, Amelia has asked if those participating in Banner uh, will also meet in the little chapel, which means we have a problem. But that's okay. We are wonderful, flexible, patient people here in the Lord's Church, and we'll be able to manage through that some way here in just a moment. But if you are participating in Banner, please also head that way, and we'll figure out, Jordan and Amelia will figure out how to quickly make both of those meetings happen. Okay? That is all I have. And let me end again with thank you. First of all, if you're visiting with us, we want you to know that you are our honored guest. We hope and pray that you will come back and worship with us each and every chance you get. And I will promise you, it usually doesn't take four of us to do the announcements. So please come back. This morning we had 333 in our worship service, which, if I'm not mistaken, is the largest crowd we've had since uh, COVID. So we're very thankful for that. Sympathy is expressed to Trent, the Trent Allen family. Um, who passed from this life on March 31st. Uh, there will be a private family memorial service at a later date. Uh, services will be held at the landmark today at 4 o'clock. If you can assist with this, please see Brother Doug Smith or Brother Jim Estes. Along the lines with LADS leaders, uh, there is no scrapbook today. Visitation team and the SALT Team 4 will be assisting the Christian Education Scholarship Fund Committee in a fundraiser supper after Bible class tonight. I want to stress this is for everyone, not just visitation team and SALT 4. This is for everyone, so we encourage everyone to come and to please bring as much food as possible so we can help to further our Christian Education Fund. Next Sunday, Easter egg hunt. Uh, following Sunday morning worship, 
All members are asked to help with bringing the candy stuff eggs prior to the hunt. There, is, there will be barrels in the foyer that you can place those eggs uh, at your convenience sometime before next Sunday morning's uh, Easter egg hunt. Salt team, uh, reminder next week is the extra, uh, Salt Team 3 is going to provide a pizza lunch in the annex following the Easter egg hunt next Sunday morning. Uh, team 3 members, please bring chips, dips, and desserts. I think that's all of our announcements. If you would please stand, we'll be dismissed. Father, we're so thankful for the opportunity, this beautiful Lord's Day that you've blessed us with, to come together and to worship you, Father. We pray that everything that's been said and done here this morning will be in accordance to your will, Father. We pray that we worship you in spirit and in truth and giving you all the glory and all the honor, Father. We pray, Lord, that we would lean on your hope through difficult times and through good times, Father. Always looking forward to that day that we can be with you forever. Lord, we pray that you'll be with us as we leave this place, and we pray that you'll bring us back to the next point in time. Lord, we thank you for all blessings, especially the blessings we have in your precious Son. In his name we do only pray. Amen.